The day had finally arrived. It's a day that they had been waiting for for hundreds of years. And it was about ready to become a reality in their life. They were going to go to the promised land. For 40 years they had been wandering in the wilderness and an unbelieving generation had passed away or died in the desert. But what stood in front of them now was the Jordan River at flood stage. And here's what they were confident of. They were confident that if God could part the Red Sea, then he could part this Jordan River. Behind the scenes and and prior to the crossing, Joshua's he's looking past the the Jordan River and uh, he's looking at the city that lies as their first obstacle to take the promised land, and that's the city of Jericho. Joshua decides that he's going to send a couple spies to sort of just check things out. Now, i got to let you know that spies have always been a tricky business for the people of Israel. They always have. The last time they sent spies in, it ended up in doubt and death and 40 years of wandering in the desert. But Joshua, he goes ahead and he decides that he's going to send the spies. I want to let you know they have never, ever encountered a city like Jericho. The people of Israel have never encountered a city like Jericho. As the people gather at the Jordan River Valley of Gilgal, they are looking at Jericho, this formidable city with this earthen ramparts, and it has two walls that surround it. And the two walls, the first wall is about 12 feet high and 6 feet thick. The second wall stood about anywhere from 20 to 26 feet high, and again, 6 feet thick. And the question is this, how in the world are they going to get past these walls? How are they going to conquer this mighty city of Jericho? The initial answer to these two questions, is it going to come through a common prostitute? This common prostitute is going to do two things. The first thing she's going to say is this. What she's going to do is she's going to hide the spies from the king of Jericho. And then she's going to give these spies some very specific information. And here's what she's going to say to the spies. I want to let you know we are fearful of you, the nation of Israel, because we have heard what God has done up to this point for you. And and it says our hearts are melding with fear. Not only will this common prostitute play an important role in the defeat of Jericho, but listen to this. She will actually be a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. In our common series, we've been looking at what we call the common Bible characters, uh, people that we, we, in a sense, put on these really big spiritual pedestals. And in these big spiritual pedestals we, we put them on, we've been examining the lives of these biblical characters. And, and, and as we dig into their lives, here's what we've been finding out is they're just like us. They're common people with common flaws and common struggles. Remember uh, Moses? Moses made major mistakes in his life. How about Abraham? Abraham was gripped with fear. And, and Peter, remember last week, Monty talking about Peter? Peter just could not get out of the way of himself. 
And so today what we're going to do is this, is we're going to sort of turn this common series up on its head, and it's going to be something like this. In the case of Rahab, though, in the case of Rahab, her commonness is the gem of her faith. Her commonness is not her weakness, it is her strength. So what are the common facts of Rahab? If you'll turn in your Bibles to Joshua 2, we're going to be in Joshua 2 and Joshua 6. In Joshua 2, here's what we find out about Rahab. She was a prostitute. She hid the spy sent by Joshua. She lied to the king of Jericho about the housing the spies and which way the spies had went. When they left Jericho, she was gripped by fear. And she pled for her life and the life of her family. And if, and if that's all we ever knew about Rahab, if that's it, I mean, if Joshua 2 was, was it on, on Rahab, then honestly, it would be a, just a little blip in this, in this Bible history, this Bible story that we're taking. And she wouldn't really hit the radar in the sense of a Bible character that we want to look at. But there are three verses... There are three verses in the New Testament that radically change the commonness of Rahab. The first thing we find out is, is that she is going to be a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5 tells us that Rahab, the prostitute, will be in the lineage of Jesus. And her great, great, great grandson, there's a lot of greats in there, but her great-great-grandson will be King David. And when we turn to Hebrews chapter 11, the, the chapter we talk about of being the hallmark of faith or the hall of fame of faith, she is recorded in there. She's also recorded in James chapter 2. In James chapter 2, the writer, James, he is saying, I want to let you know, I'm going to tell you what an active faith looks like. And he points to two Bible characters one of them is Abraham, and the other one is Rahab. James equates the faith of Abraham and the faith of Rahab. And I think that's just amazing. And, and that's what we learn. That's sort of the rest of the story of Rahab. So obviously there, there's a lot we don't know about Rahab. And, and the gap between where she started... And where she ended up is dramatically different. She started out in one extreme as selling her body for money. And the other extreme is, is that she's in the lineage of Jesus Christ and the hall of fame of faith, and in James chapter 2, of a person of active faith. That's where she ends up. And here's what happens is this. These two extremes, these two extremes of Rahab's life can overshadow can overshadow the common thing that she did that began her faith journey. These two extremes have the tendency just to shadow over her and, and we sort of lose sight of the common thing that she did that allowed her to start her faith journey. So what was this common action that started her faith journey? Scripture, is, it, it just simply states this. She received the spies in peace. She sent them on their way in opposite direction of the king of Jericho's pursuing army. An initial look and an initial reaction to this is, so what? 
So what? What's the big deal here? What's the big deal? She was hospitable to a couple of strangers who turned out to be spies. So what? But the so what of this common act of faith for Rahab, when examined really closely, as we sort of take an in-depth look at this simple act, this common act, it really, really is a big deal what she did. Listen to this. Despite having no frame of reference for God, I mean, she didn't grow up in this, in this godly home. Despite having no frame reference for God, and despite the fact that she had a very that she had a lifestyle that was not God honoring, and despite the fact that she had a very, very limited view of who God is, here's what she did. She acts. She acts in a moment of time and in a manner that pleases God. And by welcoming and hiding the spies, here's what she does. She shows her faith in God. And I think that is the really big deal of Rahab. That's the really big deal of Rahab. And I believe if, I believe if Rahab was here today, and, and in a sense, she really is, isn't she? She would tell us a couple things. Number one is this. She would say, don't despise little things. Again, if you boil down her life of faith, it would be she was scared, she didn't want to die, and she kept a couple of spies in her house. Not much, is it, in the way of faithful acts. But it was this little and common act of faith that eventually led her to find God. So let's not despise momentary, and I would say common acts of faith from anybody. See, it's these little acts, this little and common acts of faith that God uses to dramatically change a person's life. I think Rahab would tell us this also. Don't discount any person. Don't discount any person. It means something like this. Just because you are not raised in a God-fearing home doesn't exclude you from being a person of faith. And just because you may not have a lifestyle that is God-honoring right now doesn't mean that you cannot be a person of faith. And just because you know very, very little about who God is and what He does does not exclude you from being a person of faith. Rahab had all of these three things. She had all of these three things, and Rahab was hugely disadvantaged when it came to matters of faith. Hugely disadvantaged when it came to matters of faith. But God did something great with her anyway. Rahab would speak to us today and she would say this, don't discount any person. See, the story of Rahab is this, is this wonderful example of simple faith, but it's also a story that what I want to say is, is that 
it highlights a common part about God. It highlights a common part about God. As I've listened to um, the sermons and I have prepared sermons in our common series, it dawned on to me, it dawned on me that there is something very common about our God. Now, if you were here today, I would just encourage you not to walk out at this moment, but since you're streaming, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Don't change the channel. Keep on listening. Keep on listening. Because I want to let you know is this, it's going to make sense here. Hear me out. I promise you that this will make sense at the end. Again, here's what I want to say is there's just something very common about our God. And the common thing is what he does with people. His common thing that he does, it, it, it concerns people. And the common, it's, it's, it's this point here. God, if given a chance, will take common people with common struggles, doing simple acts of faith, and do extraordinary things with them. Hear, hear me out again. God will do this. God, if given a chance, if given a chance, will take common people with common struggles who, who are doing just simple acts of faith, and they'll do, He'll do extraordinary things with them. It, it looks something like this. If you'll just take, if you'll just take that one step of faith, if you'll just take that one step of faith, God will take that one step of faith, and I want to let you know that He will do things with it that we can't even imagine. It, it's a part of who He is. It's a part of His character. It's common for God to do that thing. It's common for Him to do that. Think about just for a second. Think about this in the lives of the people of the Bible. Think about how Scripture is filled with example after example after example of people who simply took one step towards God. They just took one step towards God. And God took that one step. And He did uncommon things with it. I think about Noah. Noah, he cut down a tree and he started to build a boat. That's all he did. He just started to build. But here's what God did with that one step. He took that one step and what he did is he cleansed the world of this pervasive evil and wickedness that had gripped this world. That one step, that's what God did. How about this? Hannah prayed. She just prayed. And because of that prayer, God took this barren woman. He took this barren woman and gave her a son. And the son was named Samuel. And Samuel spiritually led the people of Israel for a number of years. And Samuel's the one who anointed the kings of Israel. 
It was Samuel who did that. I think about Abraham. Abraham took the first step and he just left home. He just left home. That's all he did. That was his step. He, he, he left and he, he left home. And, and with that one step, with that one action, that one common faith action, here's what God did. He raised up a people of faith that still even exists today. Or how about this one? Esther hosted a banquet. That's all she did. She hosted a banquet. And when she hosted that banquet, God took that banquet and that, her hosting that banquet, and she saved the people of Israel from certain genocide. Or how about this, Gideon. Gideon tore down his dad's idols. That was the first step. And what God did was, he took that first step of Gideon, and what he did is that later on what he did is he raised up a people, a small group of people who saved the Israelites from the oppressive power of the Midianites. I think about the apostles, well, specifically Peter, James, and John, and those who were fishermen. All they did was is they, just, they just left their nets. They left their nets, and, and really not knowing everything ahead of them, and what Jesus was going to do with them, and where he was going to... They just left their nets. They just took that one step. And when they did that, here's what happened. Later on, in Colossians 1, here's what we find out. That that one step led to the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached to the entire world. I think about another simple prayer. I think about the prayer of Cornelius, the first Gentile Christian. And I think about that simple prayer, that simple step, that, that simple act, that common act of prayer. And here's what God did with that common act. Here's what he did. He, he, introduced, he introduced the saving gospel of Jesus Christ to all the Gentiles. And over and over again, we see story after story of this happening. And, and, and that's why it's, it's, it's so easy for us to understand and that what God could do with, with Rahab, right? And it's really important for us to be anchored, to hold on to the fact that God, God could take common acts of faith and do something uncommon with those. Something extraordinary with those. And I think there's a couple lessons that we need to extract from this common aspect of God. This common part of His character. And the first one is this. Every act of faith matters. Every act of faith matters. We have this tendency to what I would call categorize things, right? It's easy. It's just the human thing to do, right? We have, we have something categories like good and bad, big and small, deep and wide. And no, I'm not going to start breaking out into that song, all right? We have, we have just common, and, and they work for us for most of the time, correct? 
I mean, because they help us understand quality and quantity. But there's one area of life where categorizing just doesn't work, and it comes in acts of faith. And when it comes to active faith, that categorizing just doesn't work anymore. Let me illustrate it this way. If you were to look up, type in the word great faith, it would only come up in two occasions in Scripture, and and both of them in the life of Christ. If you were to look at great faith, it comes up the first time when a centurion looks at Jesus and says, you don't even have to come to my house, and I believe that you could heal my servant. And Jesus looks at that person and goes, you have great faith. The other time when the expression great faith is used is when the Canaanite woman comes and begs Jesus, even though she's a Canaanite woman, to heal her daughter. And Jesus looks at her and says this, you have great faith. And if you were to look at all other scripture in the Bible, you will never ever have that quantitative type of look at faith, because here's the point. Every act of faith matters. Beyond these two occasions, again, there's no category. There's no category for great or small, big or wide. There's just no category for it. It's just there are acts of faith and all acts of faith matter. So what does that mean? What does that mean for us? I want you to listen very carefully to the following three sentences because I think it illustrates why that we, we need to understand that every act of faith matters. It goes something like this. The faithful act of being nice to the checkout person is just, it matters just as much as your regular contribution to the church. Or how about this one? The faithful act of studying the Bible with somebody who is not a Christian matters just as much sending a note in the mail to encourage somebody. And now listen to this one. The faithful act of preparing a meal for a family matters matters as much matters as much as going to a foreign mission field and starting the Lord's church. Cuz here's the point. The point is this. The point is is that when it comes to acts of faith, all acts of faith matter. And so that's again, that's why God could take this woman Rahab, this prostitute Rahab, and he could take her and says later on that she deserves to be in the lineage of Jesus Christ, and she deserves to be in the hall of Mark, uh, hallmark of fame, and she deserves to be in James chapter 2 about an acting faith. It's because all faith matters. Every act of faith matters. So here's, let's do this. Let's stop demeaning 
any act of faith. And, and, and we do that a lot, don't we? Well, I, I, just, I just took a meal to them. Oh, I, I, just, I just sent a card. or I, Oh, I just sent a prayer. I just said a prayer for them. No! It's an act of faith. And every act of faith matters. The other thing I think is important for us is we anchor ourselves in this concept and this idea that that God is common in this area is this, is we just don't look at people the same way anymore. Can you imagine the conversations about Rahab after the fall of Jericho? Now we know this just because of the law is that she was not, she had to stay outside of the camp. She wasn't a Jew. She had to stay outside of the camp. And can you imagine the conversations that they had about Rahab? Who's that? That's Rahab. Rahab, she's the only survivor of Jericho. Whoa, the only one? The only survivor of Jericho? Yes, but you got to understand something. She's a prostitute. A prostitute? Keep her outside of the camp. Keep her outside of the camp. And then somebody comes along and says, Oh yeah, that's Rahab. Um, Yeah, she's a prostitute and she'll be in the lineage of our Jesus Christ, our Savior, Lord, our Messiah. No way. There is absolutely no way that she is ever going to be associated with our Holy Lord, Jesus Christ. Yeah, she's going to be a part of the lineage. Could you imagine that conversation? See, Rahab represents the multitudes and multitudes of people and the passages and passages of people that says this, we can't look at people from a worldly point of view anymore. We just can't do that. But I want to define what a worldly point of view is, and I want you to listen very carefully to what that is. A worldly point of view is this. When we view people based on their race, their appearance, their social status, their money, their political views, or their nationality. That is a worldly point of view. It's, that's it. That is a worldly point of view. Let me say it this way. The color of your skin... The amount of money that you have. The political party which you either did or did not vote for. Does not determine whether or not you're going to be a person of faith. Did you hear me? Those things do not determine whether or not you're going to be a person of faith. Listen to this. The color of a person's hair the number of tattoos they have or the piercings that they have does not determine whether or not they could be a person of faith. It just doesn't do it. Or how about this one? The house we live in, the car we drive, the clothes we wear, do not determine whether or not we are going to be a person of faith. faith. It just doesn't determine that. And as followers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, 
It is so important for us to capture, to capture this, this very, very important theme that is extracted from the common prostitute Rahab. It's important for us to extract that really life-changing principle. And today it goes something like this. If you've been viewing people in a worldly point of view, there's only one thing that Jesus is calling you to do today, and that is this, to repent. To change your heart. To change your vision about people. To look at people in the Jesus way and not the worldly way. And if anything that Rahab teaches us, it teaches us that. It teaches that, that all faith matters. Every act of faith matters in some form or fashion. And it also tells us this, is that we are to radically, we are to radically look at people in a very, very different way from what the world looks at people. Today, we viewed common in a very, very different way. Chris is going to be speaking next week, and he'll, he'll write the ship back again. But we've been looking at common in a very, very different way. Rahab, a common prostitute. A very simple act of faith. Changes the outcome of her life. And the reason that she's able to do that is because she met God. She met God. She encountered him. And here's the, the beautiful message. And here's the encouraging message. Here's the message that, that even though it's cold outside, should warm us up inside is this. Is, is, that, is that God could take any person. And God could take any act of faith and do amazing things with them. Right? And that should warm us up inside, shouldn't it? That should warm us up inside. So today... The charge and the challenges is this. Acknowledge, acknowledge every act of faith is important. And the cha challenge today and the charge today is this. View people in the Jesus way, in the God way. We want to let you know that we're here to help you. We're here to help you and... Uh, and if you were here today, we would say, find us, come see us, come forward. But we're not, but that's all right. Listen, send us an email. Send us this email. From this email, just t send this email, and I want to let you know that we will, we will get a hold of you, and we will help you. We will help you to understand that you could have a common faith, and God could take that common faith and do uncommon things with it. And Rahab... Rahab stands over time and over history and over our lives today to speak to us that truth.